Sports talk show for your drive home. Do you believe what, what Landry Fields no, said No, I don't today? believe anything this guy said. Well, he said Trey doesn't have any input on the coach. Okay, first off, why? Okay, I mean, look, we've talked about this a million times. Matt Ryan should have had input on who his offensive coordinator was, and if Trey Young is going to get coaches fired, he might as well get them hired. <laughs> <laughs> right? This is Dukes and Bell. On Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. I mean, you kind of make sense there. <laughs> look. You know, you got a superstar, it's the NBA, which is funny because it, it kind of, we saw this yesterday on the text line on social media, hey guys, it's Dukes and Bell, when uh, when Nate got got, there's still guys who hang on to like, the coach's word is law, and these guys got to respect, yeah, I mean, in a perfect world, everyone respects the coach, and there was supposed to be better communication, Landry Fields said that they were empowered and all that stuff, but it's still a player's league, and the superstar, if, if, if in fact he was the most unhappy person in there, he's going to get the coach got. I just wish they'd move this sooner, Carl, and then we would have more time for whoever was stepping in. And maybe you would not have gone interim. You could have actually hired a coach, you know, that would have been your guy, you know, had you done this earlier in the year. More on what he had to say coming up uh, today. And uh, listen, some of this stuff, again, the kind of coach they're looking for and how they're going to go about this process. The big thing right now, guys, we still got games in front of us. And Mike keeps telling me about, you know, how hard this schedule is. We're going to talk to Connor mm-hmm. Riley here in a second. But third, how- third most difficult schedule, only the Clippers and the Sixers have a more difficult schedule in the remaining 22 or 23 games, depending on what team you have. So we literally have to catch fire. Yes. And if you got to look if the Knicks played 500, you would have to go basically 15 and 8 to mm-hmm. uh, catch them. And we want to get in the locked in playoff spot. A lot of work to do. All right. Let's talk some dogs. <laughs> Bell on the sidelines with the dogs. The dog report is brought to you by Engineered Solutions of Georgia, a proud partner of the Georgia Bulldogs. All right, Connor Riley, countdown is on to the combine. Connor Riley with Dog Nation joining us. Um, and you know, everybody's talking about uh Jalen Carter, rightfully so. I think, right, you got to go into this and say, no matter what he does at the combine, he only can hopefully improve his status, but you think that he's going to be the number one overall pick. But let's talk about the other guys that are, are invited to the combine, the, the other 12 guys. Who comes after Jalen Carter? Who's the second best guy that the dogs are probably going to put in this draft? And, and again, Carter, we know this depends on team needs, but what would you say to that? I, I think the guy that's probably going to go second here from Georgia is Broderick Jones, a mm-hmm. guy who won, I think, his best football is still ahead of him, which is a pretty frightening thought because I thought he was a monster this past season for Georgia at the left tackle spot was a difference maker in the 2022 national championship win over Alabama. Uh, you know, obviously has incredible traits, his athleticism. I think all the guys that are first round tackles, Paris Johnson and Peter Skarnarski out of Northwestern. Jones is going to be the best tester of the bunch. But the guy that I think I'm most interested in seeing what he does at the combine and sort of what the discourse is around him is Keely Ringo. It's a really deep cornerback, cornerback draft class, but I think Ringo's got a case to, to test better than any of those guys. He's going to run in the four threes at, at 6'2", 210 pounds, uh, which is just freaky athleticism. And, and, you know, there's a lot of nitpicking about what he was or wasn't at Georgia. But at the end of the day, he was a starting quarterback for a two-time national championship winner, playing for Kirby Smart and Will Muschamp, who are two of the better defensive back coaches in the country. And if those guys give him a stamp of approval like they did, I think it bodes well for what we're going to see from Ringo in Indianapolis. And, and, you know, obviously he's got the athletic gifts as well, but I'm willing that so that he's going to really impress the team in the interview setting and that a team is going to bet big on what he's going to be able to become going into his pro career. 
Yeah, Broderick would look good in a Falcons uniform if you maybe mm. slid down unless he really increases his draft stock. Remember, guys, two parts to this. They'll have the Combine and then the Georgia Pro Day will be where everybody will be there, obviously, and then those guys might even do even better than what they did you know, in Indianapolis. But they might not do everything in Indy, do it all at, uh, at Georgia. Moving forward, though, I mean, Ring- I know I've asked you about Ringo and his coverage ability. Yeah, they, he's locked in as a corner. No, 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 there's no confusion there. We were joking around, uh, Carl, Carl and I, about the Jalen Carter stuff that came out from Jordan Yates. For those who remember, the Georgia Tech quarterback in 2021. Of all the trash talk that all the guys in that rotation said on D-line, I loved it, Connor, going, man, y'all are so unprepared. <laughs> you know, it's like, like I'm going to blank you up or something. It's like, you guys really have no idea what's coming. Uh, Jordan Yates saying going up against the 21 Georgia defense felt like the field was 30 yards wide. The more we learn about Jalen Carter and just who he is, like he's secretly one of like the great trash talkers of recent memory when it comes to college football. Again, you have that Jordan Yates. We're just like that's such a perfect thing to say to an opposing team that it's just so clearly overmatched. But then you know you have the LSU moment earlier this year where he sticks the finger in the air while holding Jaden Daniels, who is not a small person by any means, but makes him look like a child. You have him against Arkansas in 2021 as a fullback, just blowing up opposing defensive linemen. Uh, this is a guy who, you know, if you're a real football fan, a true football fan, you just love having him on your team and being able to watch him and, and just sort of see him be a destructive force, which is exactly what you want him, a, a, a star defensive tackle to be. And I think he's absolutely going to be that at the next level. Connor Riley joining us uh, as he does on a weekly basis, guys. The offseason never stops for the dogs as we get ready for the combine coming up. I do want to ask you about Glenn Schumann. Is he getting interested in the NFL? What's going on with this uh, this Schumann story as far as teams maybe wanting to interview him? Yeah, I saw a report out there that I guess the Eagles are interested in him. I haven't seen a whole lot from the traditional NFL insiders that would indicate that he's a serious candidate for that job. And quite mm. frankly, I'd be very surprised if he ends up leaving Georgia. I think he loves the college game. Uh, he obviously has a very bright future in front of him. Uh, I would expect him, when raises do ultimately get announced, slash we find out them through FOIA, I would expect Glenn Schumann to get a pretty substantial raise this offseason, given the job that he did this past season for Georgia as the co-defensive coordinator and inside linebackers coach. I get why an NFL team would be interested in him. He, he's an incredibly bright coach that has a very strong future in Look, the Eagles before, you know, Brian Johnson, who I believe is was their quarterback's coach and is probably going to be their offensive coordinator, was thought of as a college lifer, a guy that uh, at Florida had a very bright future working for Dan Mullen, sort of maybe the offensive side of what uh, Kirby Smart is at Georgia. But I, I expect Glenn Schumann to be back on Georgia's staff next year and continue to ultimately, I think, one day become a head coach at the SEC level. He loves the college atmosphere, and I would expect that to continue. But I certainly understand why an NFL team would be interested in bringing in an impressive young coach like Glenn Schumann for an interview. It's our man Connor Riley, guys. Kate Connor Riley on Twitter. And follow everybody from Dog Nation. Get the latest on the dogs. Uh, Todd Munkin had his press conference in Baltimore. Talked so much about the culture. And I know we asked you a lot. We kind of peppered you with questions about Mike Bobo. Is, but you did kind of, for guys who missed it last week, Bobo was involved, and Bobo is part of this winning culture on the offensive side, isn't he? Yeah, Bobo worked pretty closely with Todd Munkin last year in terms of play design, in terms of play scripting. And I actually think Bobo is going to be a better quarterback coach than what Todd Munkin was for Georgia. You know, Munkin's background is not in quarterbacks. He's primarily a wide receivers coach coming up. Now, he can work with quarterbacks, but we learned from Stetson Bennett at the Heisman Trophy ceremony that Buster Faulkner was a guy that he worked really closely with in terms of talking and, and walking through the position there. And I would expect Mike Bobo to have a very big hand in that with this group of quarterbacks going forward this year. And with Munkin, you hear him talk 
so much about the culture. He helped change that culture at Georgia. You know, yes, it was incredibly strong before he got here, but I think as he exits the program now, it's very clear that at Georgia, you can and should have an elite offense that can score and win in a variety of ways. And that's ultimately what Mike Bobo is stepping into. Mike Bobo knows that. He worked closely with Todd Munkett a season ago, and he knows the goal is to go out there and have an offense similar to what Georgia was able to do from a productivity standpoint this past season. Yeah, you mentioned, you know, Munkin, and we heard his press conference. We played a little bit from it yesterday um, as he was introduced, you know, from the or to the Ravens uh, fan base. And, and he talked a lot about Georgia, which was kind of interesting. I know it's his last stop, but, you know, he was just talking about that whole the makeup and, and the head coach being in place. And I thought it was kind of interesting, the stuff that he was saying about what can I do to, to better this place and then he leaves it, and we're you know we're talking about him being one of the best all time coordinators right. in college football because he won back to back championships. So I do think the Bobo shoes, or should I say, the Munkin shoes, are hard to feel. But I do agree with you with Bobo. I do feel like this is going to work. It'll be better uh, when it happened. You know, I question it, Connor. But after you know a few weeks of talking with you, I think you've convinced me and a lot of dog fans that we should relax and let this play out. Right, and again, you know, does Bobo have the high ceiling that Munkin potentially has? Maybe not, but I think his Bobo's floor, at the very least, is incredibly high. And the other thing, too, you know, you saw today Florida's defensive coordinator, Patrick Tooney, a, a, a very promising young coach, 32 years old, was the defensive play caller last year for Florida. He leaves to go take a job with the Arizona Cardinals. Look, the college football game going forward, is just not as attractive as a game as it once was for a coach. You know, the recruiting, transfer portal, NIL, it is a tougher job than it was, say, five years ago, certainly when Mike Bobo was last here. But you look at what Georgia has right now, and look, Glenn Schumann is going to go off and become a head coach someday. That's just the reality when you have very good, mm-hmm. promising young coordinators. But Will Champ has already done that. Mike Bobo has already done that. And the fact that they're now both back at Georgia working with Kirby Smart I think, you know, to tie it all back into the culture talk, stability is going to be very important for Georgia in the next five, six, seven years. And when you have established guys who are clearly very capable and good at their job in Mike Bobo and in Will Muschamp, you, you have another pitch and another, you know, add another pillar to your, column, to your culture column of, hey, we have a head coach who's going to be here for the long haul who's not interested in going anywhere. And we have two coordinators who are very talented at what they do and good play callers in what they do. And they also want to be here at the University of Georgia. They're not sniffing around looking for the next job. And I think that really matters as Georgia tries to build out and continue to be a championship contender on a year-in, year-out basis. It is our man Connor Riley. Connor, I'm going to switch it over to round ball just for a sec. Uh, We spent a lot of time today. We talked earlier about the controversy in Tuscaloosa. I mean, there's a a murder victim. A woman's dead. And Brandon Miller is still playing basketball. And Nate Oates doesn't want to know anything about discipline. Do you feel that coach, uh, I mean, the coaches obviously have some responsibility. We gave the, uh, the Isaiah Crowell story as an example of how Mark Rick wasn't monkeying around at Georgia. Do you think Sankey or somebody in the SEC steps in? Do they have anything like a commissioner's list like you do in the NFL? Or is the SEC just going to let this whole situation play out as bad as the optics are? Uh, you know, I, I think because of the fact that Brandon Miller isn't going to be formally charged with anything in this, I think makes that a, a lot murkier of an, of an area in terms of what comes next. Personally, like, uh, Brandon Miller is going to be a top five pick in the NBA draft next year. Uh, that you know he is that good of a player, and quite frankly, I don't think he has anything left to prove with the college game in terms of developing his stock and whatnot. The only reason he'd want to be there is because he still wants to be there and playing with his teammates. And, and look, this is the best Alabama basketball season in at least twenty years, and probably, quite frankly, in my lifetime. I think they're good enough to win a national championship. Right. And unfortunately, it's one of those things where you're weighing, you know, 
on-court success because Brandon Miller clearly makes this team better. He's one of the best players in college basketball. And they're going to have to decide, you know, how much does this ongoing investigation and Miller's role in this and Alabama's entire basketball program connection do this matter going forward? You know, obviously, look, Nato to apologize for the comments he made, and I'm sure if he had to do it over again, he would not make the same sort of callous remark that he did in that situation. But it's a very just interesting situation where – Alabama pretty clearly, like, Brandon Miller doesn't need to prove anything. And if Alabama, you know, wanted to take the pressure off him and say, hey, let's just have him sit out a few games, let this investigation play out and figure it out from there. But, again, this is a team trying to win a championship. And we know certainly in Alabama, and that's not to just put this in Alabama, I think if Georgia were in the same situation, you would see them do the same thing. I think you'd see almost every school do something with a player as talented as Brandon Miller. It's just it's a very difficult situation where – Alabama chief first and foremost is going to have to weigh the decision of, you know, how much does having Brandon Miller play for us matter given what's going on around him right now. Greg McElroy, by the way, former Bama quarterback calls it uh, despicable, embarrassing, completely unsympathetic. Talk about what Nate Oates had to say real quick. Carl and I were just talking about off the air, Mike white about what you expected his first year, maybe NIT for the dogs. Yeah. I think if they can have a strong close to the season, let they have winnable games against Missouri, Florida, and South Carolina, they win two of those three and then win, you know, a 7-10 matchup in the SEC tournament. I think they can get to an SEC tournament. Uh, to me, they've exceeded expectations just given where this program was at the start of the year and what you've seen from them. Obviously, a really tough week the past week against Alabama and against Arkansas, two really talented teams, two NCAA tournament teams that have elite NBA-level athletes, and that's just not what Georgia has right now. But so, you know, this past week has not gone the way that they've wanted to, but I think they do have a chance to close the season strong. And the fact that they've won six games in the SEC have a chance to get to eight there. When they won six games all season last year, I think you look and see what Mike White is doing. There is a, a strong culture being built here. You see the positive steps. It's not going to be necessarily a quick turnaround, but I do think the steps are being taken to where, you know, Georgia can get to a place where they're in the NCAA tournament every year. And then once you get to that step, you can make the leap to, okay, we can get to the second weekend every year. We can get to, you know, being a team that can reasonably contend to be in a Final Four. That's what Mike White is building to. And in my perspective, I've seen the positive first steps that needed to be taken here for him in his first year at Athens. Yeah, he completely turned the team over. He can coach, no doubt. Uh, Completely turned the team over and has done a really good job. You know, you look at the Alabama game, they're just more talented, to your point, Connor. And once he's able to attract some more of that kind of thing, he's, I think he's got two of the top national, two, two of the top 100 national recruits coming in next year. Um, things will start to look a lot better for Georgia basketball. We got to run, man. Great job, as always. Looking forward to talking about what happens next week with the Combine and all the things we'll be seeing. Connor Riley, where can people find your stuff? Yeah, you guys can follow me on Twitter at Kerry Connor Riley. And Combine is next week. Uh, and then shortly after that, spring practice ramps up. So it never ends here with Georgia football. Yeah. G Day nope. is on the way. Connor Riley, have a great day. Coming up, guys, Michael Soroka. It just doesn't sound the same, does it? I Again, I don't get called Michael unless I'm in trouble. Mike Soroka. It just sounds better. It flows off the tongue. Right. We're going to let you hear the latest with Soroka. What's up with this hamstring injury? He also talked about being back. We'll talk some spring training next. It is Dukes and Bell. We are going to talk more about Landry Fields and what he had to say today. Coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. Also, Bruce Feldman's going to join us from The Athletic. He wrote a very interesting piece on uh, Jalen Carter. Guys, he's going to be. Uh, even if a team decides to maybe make a move, the only way Jalen Carter is not the first overall pick, Mike, is if one of these teams, let's just say Carolina, right. decides to 
make a move and they want uh, the number one pick and they give Chicago a buttload of picks in return. Right. That's the and then obviously they're going to get their quarterback, but Jalen's going to be a top three pick in this draft. We're going to talk with Bruce about the things that he's learned about him, and then also address this Todd McShay thing that you know this pre-draft buzz about he has some character issues, which Mike and I thought were unfair. And I think uh, it's not. I think it's nonsense. Well, <laughs> if you're going to do that, right, tell us what those things are. It was a very vague comment. Right. And then you leave it out there for interpretation, and now people are, what's that mean? What's he into? What's he doing? I I do think it's unfair to the young man, but we'll talk about it with Bruce Feldman coming up. Mike, let's talk about some brave stuff because the one thing you consider or you continue to talk about is, and we're not even to the season yet, Saturday first spring training game, but you're concerned about are we going to have enough pitching? Yeah, I mean, Charlie Morton was a guy that, uh, you know, I, I was told by the experts that you got to, you know, expect him to pass. Guys generally don't get better as they get older, yeah. but coming back from that leg, he wasn't his full self, and that's why he was kind of the walking four and a third. Did have a nice run at times, but also was a little bit, you know, wobbly. I'm just worried about the back end of the rotation. Uh, I, I Look, Soroka is a story that everyone is pulling for, but even Shipper, when he was on with Steakhouse, was kind of saying, look, he hadn't pitched in three years, yeah. you know, at, at the pro level. So do you really put any stock in? You think he's going to get there? We're hoping, but then you throw in the fact that uh, you know some of the other guys out there, Kyle Wright, who won more games than anybody, and now he's got to be shut down for a little bit now and may miss most of spring training, according to our conversation with Grant yesterday, Grant McCauley. If you're wondering, Acuna blasted a home run off of Max Fried in live batting practice uh, at Cool Today Park. That's the name of the park down there in Northport. Um, when you're going up against your own guys in live practice, you know you're trying to get pitches. You're working on certain things. Uh, but that did happen today. Let's hear from Michael Soroka. And, again, he wants to be called Michael. All right? Okay. So we're, we're going to respect that. Michael Soroka talking about his hamstring injury. Here's the update. It can be a little temperamental, but uh, fortunately it's, it's turned around pretty quick. So, uh, yeah, pretty frustrating, especially given, you know, the early off season for me just to be able to get ready for this, this spring training. Uh, and then coming down uh, with that was uh, not fun, but it's how it goes. And uh, we'll be uh, moving forward here pretty shortly. The expectations, to your point, mm. I don't have any. If he comes back and helps us at whatever point he comes back and he's as good as he was two seasons ago, I'll accept it. I'll take it. I cannot go into the season, Mike, believing that Mike, Michael Soroka is going to be the second-best starter on this team. It's not. Spencer Strider is. And you could argue Spencer Strider, you know, depending on the day, may be the best starter if his stuff, all his stuff is working with Max Fried. So, I don't know if I have any expectations for for Michael Soroka right now. I just don't. No, I mean, like I said, we're all pulling for him. And again, if, if he can do anything and contribute and and get you twenty, mention I think I'll throw an abstract number twenty starts. Okay, I, I think that'd be considered success for Soroka based on where he's been. But just don't know what to expect. So we'll see. I just I'd love to have another arm out there and maybe one of the younger guys, the other dudes can step up. Meanwhile, you mentioned the live batting practice today. Uh, Grant McCauley talked about mm-hmm. Spencer Strider. He struck out Ozzy, Ronald Acuna, and then Eli Witt apparently hit one to the wall in right center. You already mentioned Max Fried, Kane Acuna, but it's kind of cool to see those guys going toe to toe. I the reason why Fried gave up the home run allegedly uh thank you skip was because he saw the pitch clock running down so this is where this comes into play so the pitch clock's running down winding down he's got to throw a pitch within the time frame and what do you do you just i gotta get rid of it (laughs) home run these guys have to get adjusted to not rushing through the pitch clock so that was something that happened today let's hear michael soroka talk about not missing any time because he feels like that's going to be the situation for him yeah, obviously it's going to be a little bit, uh, a little bit of a crunch time once we get back on the mound and stuff like that. But 
hopefully that's pretty that's pretty soon here we haven't really talked about that yet but we're playing catch we're, we're keeping the arm going so that won't take too long to come back it's just going to be as soon as you know as soon as i'm running again and stuff like that which again shouldn't be too long from now so um once we get there it'll be go time like the fact that Jamison Reggie in the Yeah, background. I like that, man. That's probably it's getting kind of positive vibes out yeah. there. You take some BP out there, man. I, you know, you never, you never know what what what's going to happen with the music, and how selective they'll be. But they're, they're rocking some reggae right there. Uh, last but not least, Michael Soroka talking about he's just happy to be back, Mike. And this is the thing: how much can I help? I don't know. Is he considered to be, you know, again one of the top four or five guys? We're going to find out. But as far as him just being back, that's the biggest thing right now. Yeah, it's great. I mean, obviously, I'd, I'd been on the mound prior to camp, uh, kind of building up like I usually would, and uh, it was exciting to, to get to do that in, in hopes of just being out here to play baseball again. Uh, so when this kind of took me took me down, it was a little unfortunate, but again, it's, it's how it goes. So uh, I'm excited to get back out there and, and get in some games here in, the, in hopefully a few weeks. Yeah, man. Now I'm Joseph for Jamaica. <laughs> been out there since uh, December of 19. Yeah, it's been a minute. Yeah, man. Um, understand this, too, as we talk about this pitch clock. It's Dukes and Bell at Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Guy talks on the way. Pitchers will have two disengagements, meaning stepping off of the rubber or attempting a pickoff. All of this stuff, again, is all about trying to speed the game up per plate appearance. So, you know, these are these are things that will reset the timer when you're talking about this pitch clock, and these are things that the Braves are working on. I mean, you know, it sounds silly, but, again, these new rules, you got to get used to them. And guys are used to doing what, Mike? Stepping off the rubber as much as they want. They're used to attempting a pickoff. You've seen it three, four, five right. times and won it back. You cannot do that anymore. Now, as we said, baseball has kind of become walks and, you know, let's be on a home run, you know, launch angle. And, you know, the, the, the way of the station to station baseball, yeah, Mike. I want to steal a base. <laughs> yeah, man. About a ding. Yeah, well, you see, managers kind of cut loose. You know, every little thing gonna be all right. Yeah, man. You know, it used to be a, we had one bunt. We had one sacrifice last year. All that yeah. stuff doesn't happen anymore. But, you know, Snicker does, you know, like most National League managers, you know, you know, it's universal now, is going to let these guys rip. And that's going to be fun to watch. The base is as big as a pizza box, as we've heard, so... This should benefit a team like us. It, I think sometimes we fall into the weight for the home run as opposed to manufacturing. I don't even take yourself out of the beginning, but let's let's run the bases, right? Let's do it like, like we used to. Well, we've got a team that's built for it. Hey, man, it's Dukes and Bell coming up. Bruce Feldman at 5. What do we got coming up? Wouldn't guy talk. Got a couple of things. A major star in golf dropped by his sponsor. Ooh. Overlive Golf. Very interesting. Okay. <laughs> we'll get to that. Also, Carl, watch out now. Canada has got a generation of killer pigs, and they're coming this way. So let's make some bacon next. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, 
You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. I got to stop. I got to stop. Stop what? I got to stop on the Twitter. Squid Billy says it all the time. You get in this rabbit hole and you dive in yeah. and you get sucked in. And I'm, I'm going with this guy. This guy, Chris, is like literally, he's just nailing me with stats about Trey, about Trey's this and Trey. I get it. Trey's fantastic stats-wise. Should be an all-star. Yep. So why, so why wasn't he? I'm sorry? I said, so why wasn't Trey an all-star? Um, Conspiracy? No. Does the rest of the league think he's a prima donna who's no. not involved in the, in the, I don't know. Look. I cannot quantify what some of you guys don't understand. Leadership. I mean, demanding accountability from yourself and your teammates. No one's going to debate the guy's top ten in every metric you can throw out there. I just don't understand it. Maybe now that Nate's gone, it'll get better. Why he's become more of a facilitator instead of a dominator, which is what he was doing in 21. Yeah. uh, Listen, I I don't have the answers to why two guys have not worked that were supposed to be good for this team. Um, the next guy, Mike, whoever it is, whomever it is, mm. is going to have to get along with Trey. But this idea that Trey was not voted in to, by, uh, by fans to the All-Star game, was not voted in by his peers and the coaches. Y- you tell me. So, the guys, I can't think for you. I can just throw it out there, and you can't read between the lines. I joked around. Again, some of this is tongue-in-cheek, but I said earlier, and we were joking on, we had a, you and I had a conversation about it. Is that if uh, Landry Fields says Trey will have no say in the hiring of the next coach, and I'm not even being a wise ass, I think that's asinine. I think your superstar player should have some insight because we kind of get the vibe he is stirring the drink. He has a relationship yeah. with the coaches of the owner's son, who apparently has sway over a lot of decisions that are being made in the organization. So you might as well let Trey be involved in who your next coach is going to be. If you think he's not, I think you're fooling yourself. And I joked, Carl, I said, <laughs> I said if Trey's going to get him fired, he might as well get him hired, which apparently yeah. was a trigger for the Trey heads out there who are now bombarding me with Trey statistics. Guys, it's not that we're hating on Trey. Criticizing an athlete's leadership or lack thereof is not hate. And as I told this guy, and I'll get on to all the fun stuff here, as I told the guy on Twitter, I said, if you put Trey in Boston, Philadelphia, or New York and say the regular season is boring, that's like a month, that's three months worth of material. If you sit there, you're out in a, in a big game against a rival like the Brooklyn Nets and you tap out with a calf contusion, you know, that's the kind of thing which th- – that would be fodder for radio talk show hosts and columnists in multi-newspaper cities where they have an edge. But here in Atlanta, if you say do your job, it's hate. You're hating on Trey. Stars get players and coach tra- – hey, Isaiah got guys traded off his team. Players have had power for decades in this league. This is nothing new. It just happened now with this Nate situation. Yeah, here's the, here's the deal, though. Um, and, and, you know, sometimes it happens and it, and it, and it equates to championships. 
But a lot of times this happens, Mike, with more established players, with guys have do have done things, right. meaning they've won at a higher clip. Here's the thing that I would say about the Trey stats, and this goes across the board. It's the same discussion we've had with DeJounte, or not DeJounte, but uh, DeAndre Hunter. How is it affecting winning? We're still a game under 500. How is all of that affecting winning? You can tell me he's scoring and doing all these things. It's not affecting winning. We're not winning enough games. Right. That becomes the fundamental problem. And so now you're going to tell me, well, he's a great player on a bad team. Well, go ahead and use that excuse. I think, Mike, when you're doing special things, it affects winning. And ultimately, that's got to be the, the goal right. of everybody on the team. I don't care what my numbers are. How do I affect winning? DeAndre Hunter, if you're shut down guy on defense, how are you affecting right. winning? And that's the thing about Trey. You look at the numbers, you go, wow, look at the record. That's just it, guys. We're talking about dubs. When's the last time Trey had the big shot? The momentum shifter, the things that he did in 2021, which, guys, the expectation bar is raised because he did amazing stuff, and we want more Trey amazing stuff. You got to get off Twitter. I got to stop. <laughs> but anyway, but that's where, that's where it's at. So that's, you, nobody, you, I got, you a, guy, I got a guy who did nothing but show stats. There's more to the game than just statistics, guys. Okay, but apparently not to that guy. So, guys, Trey's not going anywhere, and if he does, it won't be because of you and I. No, it'll be because he wants out. Correct. It's not going to because anything that except the fact that he feels like now, whenever it comes time, the organization is not moving in the right direction, and I don't think we can win a championship here, right. and therefore I want out. It's what all these guys do yeah. when it's time to leave. But I'm sorry. Give I'm me just, a freaking break. I'm just going to mute some of these guys. I'm like, I'm like Squid. Squid does this, and I say I'm not going to do it, and then whoop, yeah. I dive in head first in the deep Now, end. what I would love, Mike, is for him to stay the course and say, regardless, I got my money here, and guess what? We're going to win a championship here. Right. I, I like Dame. I respect what Dame is doing. He may never win a chip in Portland, but he's not – left. He's not said, okay, I, I need to be out of here. Right. We'll see. Meanwhile, guys, if it was all Nate's fault, we're going to find out. We're going to find Hopefully this guy will have some other ideas. We're talking about, uh, was it uh, Pulte, Pulte, the new coach? Yeah. And we'll see where this thing goes. All right. Prunty and his cousin Prunty. The uh, new Live Golf thing, too, year two now. They're not making any money off this deal yet. We're going to see some of this mm-hmm. stuff on CW. You and I don't watch it, but there is a lot of talk about it on Full Swing, which is the uh, golf Netflix uh, documentary, kind of like a Drive to Survive. Dustin Johnson featured on that. Uh, him and Adidas are parting ways after 15 years. It's a big deal, isn't it? It's a big deal. Isn't TaylorMade tied in with Adidas, too? I believe so. Yeah. Yep. Because all those guys have that. Yeah, we've mutually agreed to part ways with longtime Adidas athlete Dustin Johnson in a communique from Adidas, calling it an amicable separation. And they're going to focus uh, Adidas on building the Four Aces brand. I don't know if they're getting out of golf and they're going to start pulling, pulling some more deals with guys like Sergio and others. But for what it's worth, Dustin Johnson is one of the top golfers on the planet. So I'm wondering, and I don't know if it's there, Mike, what that deal paid him over the last 15 years. I mean, guys, these are $100 million Correct. type deals. So, um, and I'm curious if. Ju- if Dustin Johnson, Mike, they're making so much money on Live. Johnson's deal with TaylorMade reportedly has not changed. He's still with those guys. Okay. He's been with them since 07. Adidas spokesman also said the brand chose not to renew its longtime relationship with Sergio Garcia. I okay. just asked about that, so there I just proofread there. I find proofread and you shall find. But there's apparently a lot of uh, sponsors like RBC, Royal Bank of Canada, also pulling their relationship with Dustin Johnson, Graham McDowell. Guys are moving to the Live Golf because of the connection with Saudi Arabia. All right, that's what I was going to ask. What is the reasoning? The only reasoning is not that they are not good golfers anymore. Right. It's, it's live okay right. it's just of the perception that uh, you are doing what they call sports washing to basically whitewash human rights violations and just focus on what they're doing building brands and motorsports and things like golf meanwhile carl what if i told you we've got a pig problem north of the border wild pigs 
Yeah, super pigs. What do you mean super? Well, they're a breed that's uh, never been seen before. Canadian super pigs are poised to wreak environmental havoc and spread disease to us here in the U.S. Apparently, they're a cross between a boar and regular old-fashioned pigs. Sue! <laughs> Let me at that wild pig, Mike. We'll eat good tonight. This is from the Detroit Free Press. These pigs are easily the worst invasive large mammal on the planet, Mm. let alone the hemisphere. Okay. Dare I say the continent. (laughs) I made up that last part. uh, So they are spreading disease, though. Yes. Dr. Ryan Brooke, assistant professor in the Department of Animal and Poultry Science, the large business card at the University of Saskatchewan, (laughs) says these super pigs are actually a cross between a European wild boar and a domestic pig. They cause crop damage, destroy natural environments, get into cities, destroy water quality. They get into cities? Oh my God, Carl. Look, groups of pigs scouring <laughs> scouring the streets. Doing what pigs do. Which yeah. is to, you know, they wallow in their own poop. Uh, they do. And, and you know what this could lead to, Mike? The last of us. That's correct. I know how this thing starts, man. It's Mother Nature fighting back. Pigs are coming to the U.S. from Canada. Their numbers swell. And uh, watch out. If unchecked, these super pigs could inevitably impact just about everyone. The only people should be worried about this. Anyone that lives in North America and eats meat or eats vegetables or any food based on grains. Because that's how bad this is. Wow, they're really kind of selling this story over there. <laughs> That's why, why I carry my buck knife, Mike. Just in case I run into one of these wild pigs. I got one answer for super pigs. His name is Ryan Klesko. That's why I carry my buck knife. Right. We're going to send Klesko up there to uh, Ottawa and watch him just go. But Klesko literally jumps out of trees with a knife, doesn't even use a gun. Just goes basically hunting boars with a big yeah, old knife. A, a lot of guys do hunt boars just barehanded. I mean, to your point. But I, I will say this sounds like it could be fun hunting. I would think all you need to do is just turn American hunters loose. You know, this could be fun hunting. As you said, you know, there's deer season starts here. Because let's be honest, and there's bow season. It's Basically, you, right? Or you get the pig, and he's giving you something, right? He's he's going to pass on the uh, the yeah. disease. But I'm just saying, in upstate New York and Michigan, you know, Ted Nugent country, you got enough guys can handle oh, these yeah. pigs. Just let them loose with bows and arrows and rifles, and we got bacon sandwiches till Christmas. Well, that's great. There's enough pigs in Paulding County. Bo knows. Go down there. Sue, <laughs> give me one, give me one of them wild pigs, Bo. Yeah, man, Bo, you ever, uh, you ever uh, go hunting for a wild pig? Ever did boar hunting? No? Negative? Not, that's not on your list of things to do that are kind of fun and a little bit redneck? No, I've never hunted wild boar. Um, now, my, uh, I got some buddies that have hunted the wild boar, and that stuff is, like, all the stuff you hear fun. Chipper talk about Klesko and stuff. Mm, it's fun. Like, basically, you, I mean, it's going to get a little graphic, but you have dogs chase them. Yeah. You jump out, and boom, you got to attack. And if not... The dog gets it. Well, yeah, the yeah, the dogs could be in real danger. So you gotta be you gotta be careful. But see, I had a pet potbelly pig growing right. up. So oh, you did? You had yeah. one of those critters? Yeah, I had a Vietnamese potbelly. Not I a did. wild boar, Vietnamese potbelly. No, that, that was, I remember in the late 80s, early 90s, that was the big thing. Well, my daughter wanted one for years, and I wouldn't allow her to get mm. one. We've talked about it time and time again on the show. I think you've even told me. I forgot that you had one. How yeah. long How long did it live for? Oh, uh, geez. I got it, like, uh, I want to say my freshman year of high school, yeah. and it... I was probably 25, 26 when it died. So okay. it was about 11, 12 years. My now, parents wouldn't let me get one either. I just came home with it. Now, they say, I don't know that your experience, smart? Oh, they're incredibly smart. Okay. In fact, it was raised with dogs. Oh, okay. It thought it was like when we had a couple of dogs that would go to the fence when you pulled up, and the right. pig would be up there with it. Instead of <laughs> instead of barking, the pig would be like, you know, 
But I'm telling you something. So, so after he uh, he dies, you guys have eggs Benedict. Okay, uh, what stop. You, do? you don't. You know eat what? That. That's you disrespectful. You don't Michael. eat the pet. That's disrespectful. Sure you, why not? Come on. He's All right. Gone. Mm. It's time for you. You know what? Like I think Bruce Cornish, Feldman's up next. Like a Cornish game <laughs> hen. That'd be tasty. Hey, real quick before we wrap up, guy talk on this date in 1980, the greatest upset in American sports history. That's Al Michaels with the great Ken Dryden there in the side as the uh, color announcer. Yeah, man, the U.S. miracle on ice at Lake Placid. Beat them filthy, dirty Ruskies. Down 3-2. Mark Johnson with a goal. And then, of course, Mike Ruzioni as the captain who never played a day in the NHL said, Carl, I shoot two feet to the left. I'm going to be painting bridges the rest of my life. Just an amazing story. The movies, documentaries, can't get enough. That, to me, is the greatest moment in American sports history. USA. Buzz Brockway says, fellas, we changed the law in Georgia a few years ago to allow folks to hunt these feral hogs anytime, any place, wherever. All right. They're a big problem in South Georgia. Here, piggy, piggy. <laughs> All right. Brock, thanks, man. Appreciate BLTs it. for everybody. Coming up, we're going to talk to Bruce Feldman, guys. He wrote an incredible piece about Jalen Carter. Wait till you hear some of the things that we've learned about this young man. It's Dukes and Bell.